In today's episode, I want to talk about how a short story by one of my favorite authors, Flannery O'Connor, is connected to last weekend's gospel reading. Stay tuned. Hello, friends. Pastor Tim Westermeyer here, senior pastor of St. Philip Deacon in the western suburbs of Minneapolis. Good to be with you as always. In my last episode, I talked about one of the, the, the dynamics of the work I do is that uh, when I preach, uh, there's a lot of stuff that ends up being left on the cutting room floor. Uh, that's not a bad thing. And I would imagine the people who listen to me are probably grateful that I don't try to pack everything into a half hour, 45 minute sermon. Um, so I want to, in this episode again, I, I want to lift up something that I ended up feeling like I had to leave out of last Sunday's sermon. Um, and last Sunday's sermon again was on the fourth chapter of Luke. It's, it's Jesus' first recorded uh, sermon in the Gospel of Luke. And uh, if you listen to that sermon, you'll know that it starts really well. Jesus goes back to his hometown of Nazareth. Uh, he's, he's reading from Isaiah and we're told the people in the synagogue all spoke highly of him. It, he didn't live there anymore, but this would have been his friends and family from when he was growing up. And then it kind of takes a really negative turn for reasons which aren't entirely clear. Um, but one of the implications seems to be that the people in the synagogue, again, these were people close to Jesus, his friends and family, may have thought they were better superior uh, than other people around them, and maybe in part because they were friends of Jesus or family of Jesus. They might have thought, well, maybe God loves us just a little bit more. And one of the things that happens in that fourth chapter of Luke is that Jesus makes it very clear that God's love is intended for all people, not just for them, which makes them a little mad. More than a little mad, actually. Um, anyway, that got me thinking of a, a short story by one of my favorite authors, Flannery O'Connor. And I just want to share a couple thoughts about that. Um, again, sort of an, as an extension of, of last Sunday's sermon. Uh, I will say, though, a couple of books by O'Connor that I would commend to you. Um, I was just talking with uh, Tim, our photo photographer and editor, about uh, her. She was this amazing woman who lived in the middle part of the 20th century. She died at the age of 39 um, of lupus, uh, which at the time they controlled a little bit, but they weren't able to save her life. Uh, but I would commend uh, one of the, this is a pretty big volume of her letters called um, The Habit of Being. Uh, they were collected by Sally Fitzgerald, her, one of her editors. And then um, Mystery and Manners, um, this was published after her death, Occasional Prose. Um, these are not the kind of things she's best known for, maybe. What she's best known for is, is her short stories, but both of those books are among my most treasured books in my entire library. I just think she's an unbelievable uh, mind of literature and of theology. So the short story I'm thinking of today is a short story called Revelation. Um, it's in a little collection called uh, Everything That Rises Must Converge. Um, which, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if someone out there knows that I'm wrong about this, but if memory serves, she pulled that title from a line from uh, Jesuit priest Teilhard de Chardin, who was writing about the intersection of science and faith. Anyway, sorry to get off on that tangent. Anyway, Revelation is about a woman, Mrs. Turpin, who uh, all of Flannery's uh, characters live in the South, and she, Mrs. Turpin, thinks she is 
superior to everyone else. And this is the, the passage from Luke where maybe the people in the synagogue thought they were better than everyone else was the connection I was making between them. Um, and it's clear in the events of this short story just how pr prideful or proud Mrs. Turpin is of who God made her to be and kind of this sense of, well, thank goodness God didn't make me like one of those people, right? And again, you can read the story for yourself if you want, but towards the very end, I'm just going to read a little bit. Uh, Mrs. Turpin uh, has a little bit of a farm and she's out with the pigs one night and the sun sets and she sees uh, some, let's see, there was a purple streak in the sky, it says, cutting through a field of crimson and leading like an extension of the highway into the descending dusk. She raised her hands from the side of the pen in a gesture both hieratic and profound. A visionary light settled in her eyes. And then this. Um, this and again, the title of the, the short story is Revelation. So this is the revelation that, that the title is talking about. This Something is being revealed to Mrs. Turpin that's contrary to how she usually thinks about her life. So here's Flannery again. She saw the streak as a vast swinging bridge extending upward from the earth through a field of living fire. Upon it were a vast horde of souls, or excuse me, upon it a vast horde of souls were rumbling toward heaven. There were whole companies, and now there's a list of all the people she thought she was better than, she thought she was superior to. There were whole companies of white trash, clean for the first time in their lives and bands of black people in white robes, and battalions of freaks and lunatics shouting and clapping and leaping like frogs. And then this, and bringing up the end of the procession was a tribe of people whom she recognized at once as though who, like herself and Claude, her husband, had always had a little of everything and the God-given wit to use it right, you know? They were the ones on God's side. They, they understood what it meant to live a good and true life. She leaned forward to observe them closer. They were marching behind the others with great dignity, accountable as they had always been for good order and common sense and respectable behavior. And they alone, she says, were on key. They're all singing, right? But they're the only ones singing on key. And then this most powerful line in the whole story, Yet she could see by their shocked and altered faces that even their virtues were being burned away. So the revelation she has is that maybe all of these assumptions about what makes her right and good with God, what she perceives as the virtues she has, which none of these other people she doesn't believe are as virtuous has, maybe those aren't really what count. And maybe it turns out that Jesus was right and God loves all of us equally. I don't know, something to think about. And today, I guess I might invite you to reflect on what virtues of yours does God need to burn away? Thanks as always for being with me. Be well, stay in touch, and God bless. Mm -hmm.